Hey, this is Jim Martin with Little Things First. This is Tracy Vandeventer, Little Things First. Hi, Jim. Hey, this is the place where we explore all the little things that make a big difference in education. In yeah. education. All right. So today we're talking to a principal. Yep. Uh, Latricia. Latricia. We're not sure. Latricia Reeves, who is the principal at Sunny Carter Elementary School in Macon, Georgia. And Jim, I just love talking to principals. I know you do. Because they're right there. You know, they're in the thick of it. They're the one that are inspiring the troops and, and, and getting kids to really step up and really changing and, and organizing their buildings so that it's like this efficient, effective learning machine. So I'm super excited to talk to another principal. And what made you pick uh, Latricia? Oh, she was one of the ESEA Distinguished Schools in 2019. So she's got some insights into how to make things, you know, rise. And uh, she's at the top of her game. So let's see what she's got to say. I'm going to call her right now. Hello. Hi, is this Latricia? This is Latricia. Latricia. Yes, you know, dang, yes. we had a 50-50 chance. We had that as an <laughs> option and we didn't choose right. Latricia or Latricia. Yes. Those were the two that we settled on, but Latricia. Very close, Latricia. Hey, Latricia, how are you? I'm doing well this morning. How are you doing? Oh, so good. I'm here with my friend Jim Martin. Hi, Latricia. Hi, hi, Jim. How are you? Great, thank you. And we, we really appreciate you taking time out to talk to us and just answer some questions. Uh, we introduced you as an ESEA Distinguished School in 2019, and we are always wanting to learn from our, our colleagues who have had some success. And first, we'd like you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your school. Awesome. Well, I am Latricia Reeves. I'm the proud principal of Sunny Carter Elementary School out of Macon, Georgia. Um, I discovered my passion and calling to educate and make a difference in the lives of children about 25 years ago, right here in Bibb County School District. Um, and there I began teaching um, in an inner city school, elementary school, for about nine years. And then in 2005, I became the assistant principal at Sunny Carter. And then four years later, I was appointed the principal. So as the principal, I've had the unique experience and opportunity to lead my school through its transition. Um, when I first got appointed to Sunny Carter, it was a suburban elementary school with affluent families. Um, and it transitioned to a Title I school with about 50% economically disadvantaged families. So I'm sure you can imagine some of those challenges that came along with, with a change of this magnitude. Mm -hmm. That being said, you know, it's been a great journey and I'm super, super excited and proud of my students and staff and community partners for our most recent um, accomplishment. And that is of being named and selected one of two schools in the state of Georgia um, as you mentioned earlier, as a, a national um, ESSA Distinguished Title I school. Yeah, congratulations. Now, how, how much time passed between where you said we were kind of an affluent group where we moved more into that Title I setting? How long did that transpire? It, about 10 years. Mm. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's about a 10-year um, I saw my demographics go from maybe uh, like a 60% uh, 
Caucasian student body um, to now about 68% African American. So really the numbers kind of just switched. They flopped, if Mm -hmm. you will. Um, The school is, of course, same location, very nice school, but just had that, that change. And when I became the principal, that was really right at the time of an economic downturn, if you remember, uh, like around 2008, 2009. Mm -hmm. So things just changed. Mm -hmm. So you were AP for six years and then principal for another 10 or so, is that right? Yeah. Well, actually, the AP for four years. And this is I'm actually going into my 15th year as the principal. So um, I started there in 2005 as an AP um, and then later appointed in 2009. Um, I I have two questions about that. So um, did you find any challenges in transitioning as as a former AP to principal in the same school? I had a few challenges related to that. I'm just wondering if you found anything difficult in moving from AP to principal. Um. I did. Absolutely did. Um, I spent, as an AP, I just spent that time really building relationships. I was very new to the school, school setting. As I mentioned, I came from Title I, and now I'm in an affluent um, suburban school. Um, and so the challenges, after being being named the principal, uh, my staff was embraced that. Um, but then changes happened. Um I started having some staff turnover as my demographics changed. Then the way we did schooling changed mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, there were other challenges that we faced. So in that regard, over the time that I've been principal, I've been able to like rehire and really build a staff, you know, with my vision and just my leadership style. And I think that's made a difference. So when you think about that time in 2005 when you started yeah. till now, have you had then over 50% personnel change or how much you think? Oh, oh my gosh. I think it's more than that. Uh-huh. Um, I was thinking about it this year and the staff that started out with me, I have about three staff members, not including now the nutrition staff and my custodian staff, mm-hmm. that's pretty much the same. But when you're talking about your certified staff and mm-hmm. classified staff, I have about three teachers that started out with me as um, I transitioned to principal. So that gives you an idea of how the teaching staff definitely turned. Mm-hmm. You know, and with that too, uh, Tracy, we had the onset of charter schools mm. uh, that came in our district and my enrollment changed. So just a number of factors that impacted, you know, the, the way we do schooling now. Mm-hmm. And so do you think that um, any of your success at your school has to do with your longevity? Because I think that, um, you know, in some places where I've been, the thought has been, well, you know, four to five years, and I actually have not been in a principalship for longer than yeah. four. And so like, uh, I just wonder, you know, if, if you if it's better maybe to leave principals in their positions for longer, because you've been there for 15 years, and look what you're able to accomplish. Yeah, um, I think that it's been better to be there for this length of time um, because I've really gotten a chance to really know and establish, you know, community partners. Um, I, I know the culture, the personality of the school. 
Um, and so I've been able to kind of merge some of the principles um, and personality from the school when I was appointed as assistant principal. And I've been able to merge that with some of my, um, you know, some of my characteristics and personalities as, as a uh, principal. So I think it's been good to keep to be there for this length of time. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. And yeah. and I was just admiring also because I tend to move frequently, but that's more part of my own like distractibility. And yeah. uh, I was thinking though, in your situation, you really didn't even have to change schools because it just kept changing on you. So you probably Absolutely. really don't have that same space that you had when you first started out. Absolutely. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, the staff changed on me. So I was constantly, you know, building that staff, building the relationships and really being able to hire, you know, staff that worked best for my vision. So, um, but yeah, it just kept changing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Have you also, I'm sorry, Tracy. Go for it, Jim. I was also wondering if you've been able to diversify your um, staff with the changing demographics of your school. That's a great question and a great point, um, Jim. Absolutely. Because again, uh, when I came as the assistant principal in 2005, there there was me, um, an African-American admin, and maybe two or three African-American teachers um, that were there. But since then, I've been able to bring in a little more diversity. I have a couple of men on staff. I have two teachers uh, that came in from like Pakistan. Um, So I've just been able to diversify a little bit more um, over the years. So a great point. Yes, sir. Do you Mm -hmm. find it difficult to find teachers? At my school here, I'm in Utah, Ogden, Utah, and Mm -hmm. we have uh, five teachers who are working on alternative route to licensure. They're not going through the traditional teacher ed program because we just don't have enough coming out of the programs. Do you see the same thing in Georgia? Absolutely. There is definitely a teacher shortage for those teachers that enter the profession, you know, the traditional way. Mm-hmm. Um, we have waiver teachers here in our, our school district. Um, so in Georgia TAP program. So, you know, teachers that have maybe a degree in another area, um, there is a pathway to become a certified teacher here in Bibb County. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, though, Tracy, um, the, the school has always had a, a reputation. Uh, it was just a good school in the school district. And fortunately, I've been able to kind of maintain that reputation, although so much has been changing. Um, but I have to tell you, too, with the, the recent recognition, um, you know, being a national out of one school, I've been able to bring in um, teachers. So I'm not finding it as hard to find some really good teachers. And I think once word gets out for sure, whether you officially win the award or not, teachers talk. Mm-hmm. And when they recognize yeah. that your building is a place where they can learn and grow, they'll tell their Absolutely. friends and that will bring in like-minded people. So kudos to you for creating that space that will bring in those really high quality, quality people. Thank you. Uh, here, here's another question, just in general, because our theme is 
you know, little things, little things that make a big difference in education, that it doesn't have to be sweeping reform necessarily in order yeah. to really raise the bar at your school. What are some of the little things that you believe your school's taken that has made a big difference? Well, uh, Tracy I'll, I, and Jim, I'll start with this. Um, I think great happens at Sunny Carter because of an amazing team of teachers who believe that all means all. Um, and, you know, working with the different different demographics and uh, just different populations there in my school. Um, we have a mission that, you know, we are going to equip all of our students to learn and lead at the highest level. Um, and there are a lot of little things that have just worked together. Um, but there are three things, Tracy, that were game changers for us. And the first one is that Carter became a leader in me school. And so we adopted a leader in me framework, which is evidence-based. It's a comprehensive school improvement model that empowers students with the leadership and life skills they need to thrive, like in a 21st century um, society. And so teachers, students, and parents were taught Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, and that was a huge game changer because now what we've said to our students and even with our staff, and I'll talk a little bit about that um, in terms of staff, but that everyone is a leader. And so we teach our students and we practice and live those habits like being proactive and putting first things first and beginning with the end in mind. Um, and you know, setting goals and synergizing and things of that um, that nature. So that was a huge game changer for the culture um, of our school. And then the second thing that was a big game changer is just that we, the way we did or structured our instructional day is that we utilize flexible grouping. And so we would administer, you know, just like other schools at formative assessments, a variety of formative assessments that required um, our students to demonstrate their mastery in, say, like reading, comprehension, and writing, and math, uh, being able to problem solve. And what we would do is just we would get that data, we'd administer those assessments, we'd um, do a data protocol. Um, and then we would regroup our, our students and we were just on an ongoing cycle of meeting the needs of our students um, and regrouping them as needed. And quite frankly, you know, the data, that's how we made our decisions. It was all based on um, the data. And then the last big game changer was the fact that we we had a strong focus uh Jim and Tracy on collective teacher efficacy. We realized that the importance of empowering our teachers to take on leadership roles. Um, we were being very intentional about creating meetings and opportunities for our staff to express their, their opinions. Um, we structured our action team and our meetings in a way that encouraged professional dialogue rather than just letting a small number of voices dominate. And so what the research confirms is that when teachers have that role um, in making important decisions about the school, when they feel that their voices are being heard and they can actively participate in building our school culture, then efficacy is raised. And that's one thing, Tracy and Jim, that I, I, I pride myself on that, you know, in terms of building relationships, 
you know, strong teams. And just it's important for me that we do this work as a team. And that's how I lead. So really lead that collective effort. And I think those three things were really big game changers for us. Can you think back on that teacher efficacy that you were creating? Were there specific actions that you took to help create that safe space for your teachers where they could have opinions and they could take on leadership roles? Absolutely. And this goes back to something that Jim asked about in terms of, you know, being at the school for a longer period of time um, as an administrator, knowing my staff, you know, here again, hiring on teachers that are like minded. The one of the things I did, Tracy, was look for that um, a guiding co coalition, look for my um, critical mass. And I developed a leadership team and uh, with just different voices, representation from different grade levels, from different departments, and really worked on building that, the efficacy within that group. Because once we all realized, hey, we've got a lot of great little things happening in our school, but there are a lot of things that we need to become pervasive. Um, and so that the first step in that was building that guiding coalition team, that leadership team, and then again, empowering them to be leaders in our school to bring on the masses. So um, I would say that was the biggest thing, really building a strong PLC. And it's a work in progress. I'm still working, um, you know, of course, working on that. Yeah, I'm just wondering, um, I've struggled a little bit with um, authentic teacher leadership, you know, so um, teachers assuming leadership roles in maybe mm -hmm. name only, but then mm -hmm. um, as far as like teachers um, stepping up to really maybe even challenge one another on practices that aren't best for kids or um, pushing each other to really improve. Um, sometimes, you know, that has been left to me. And so I'm like, wait a minute, you know, we're, we're supposed to be all about teacher leadership. So I'm just wondering how you've kind of addressed that in terms of making sure that leadership opportunities in your school aren't just... Uh, symbolic, but really, Authentic. truly, yeah, truly leadership. Yeah, that that is, uh, it's very tricky, I'll say, because it's really identifying those teachers, not only in word, but in deed, um, those teachers that are getting the results. Um, I'm really watchful and observant of the doers, if you will, um, but it also those that maybe aren't as upfront and, and, you know, maybe not out front or seen as a leader, but bringing them on to building them up, finding out what they bring to the table. And I think the biggest part of that is, is leadership getting in behind those teachers. Um, but it's tricky because you got to find a, a balance uh, with that. Um, and it's, so it's bringing, a variety of voices to the table, um, to that leadership mm -hmm. table and not just having the strong voices, yeah. but also, mm -hmm. so that's, that's kind of the way I, I've done it. Um, and it, it really is tricky, but 
it's tricky. Yeah, it makes sense. But but it's, it's basically, I mean, it's the results because those leaders in my school are the ones that are getting the results, you know, and I look for those that can kind of rally and, and, and corral the rest of the group to move forward. Um, so, but it's tricky. <laughs> When you have people join your leadership team, do they have a certain length of time that they remain on that team or do you open it up every year and make some changes? Is there any specific format you use? Well, I usually do about two years. um, And so we'll, we'll go two years and then we'll, I'll open it up again. Um, I, this particular guiding coalition that I'm working with now I pretty much invited them on. Mm-hmm. Um, so these were, were were teachers that I had, you know, kind of tagged as leaders in their on their grade level, leaders in the building, you know, leaders in different areas. Um, so I think that's important too. And and during a, the course of the year, maybe like during evaluations or whenever I'm having conversations with teachers, I'm, I'm constantly kind of picking and, 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 you know, just probing just to kind of see where, what their interests are, what they, you know, their plans, short-term plans. And I utilize that information that I know to kind of help me with making deci- decisions as well. So it's just a number of things. Do you ever have teachers who um, maybe aren't being supported as a teacher leader or, or yes. uh, encouraged to, to take on those leadership positions because they don't have the results? Maybe um, if you had any of them come talk to you, like, let's say I'm a teacher and I say, why am I not being, why am I being overlooked for all these leadership positions? Mm-hmm. What would you do in that particular case? Well, I think in that particular case, you know, I would talk with that teacher. I would want to know from that person, you know, what is it? What area? Um, is there a particular a team? What is it that they want to lead in? Um, and then maybe even groom them for that or even give them create some opportunities for them to show leadership. Okay. Um, yes, sir. Mm-hmm. I I love this um, conversation because we earlier spoke about like using teachers in leadership roles. And I'm curious because in some of these previous conversations, we've been hearing about how some principals actually have been giving some release time for their teachers to maybe mm-hmm. demonstrate in classrooms or to model or mm-hmm. to do some coaching. Do you have any flexibility that way for your teacher leaders or are they more just that guiding coalition for decisions? No, absolutely. I do have the flexibility um, to do that. We do a lot of, you know, peer observations. Um, We are cameras in the classroom. So I uh, oftentimes uh, can ask my my teacher leaders, you know, if we could use a recording of a language arts class or a language arts class and then have some professional learning and professional dialogue around that. But I do have that flexibility. And I'm pretty fortunate that most of the teachers um, are willing to open their classrooms. Um, And so, but I think that comes along again uh, with creating a risk-free environment. Like I'm not going in to get you. I mean, we are learning together and learning from each other. Um, and, And so that's, 
the approach I like to take on it. But yes, I do have that flexibility. I assume you'd have to have a risk free environment in order to have cameras mm -hmm. in the classroom because <laughs> that could be very intimidating. Um, is that some kind of an initiative that your school or district has taken on? Yes, that is a district initiative um, to have uh, cameras in all of our classrooms. Um, and it, it really works out well because, you know, as you know, now, you know, with the pandemic and everything, um, it's, you know, distant learning is an option. Um, and so, yeah, we've had the cameras in the classroom for about two to three years. Oh, wow. Um, and was mm -hmm. that a safety initiative or was it all about professional learning? Um, it was it was both. It was definitely a safety um, measure, but we really push the professional learning um, approach to it. And so that's how we approached it. Um, my, my teachers, they record a lesson. I use that for an evaluation sometimes um, or an observation. So, um, you know we push the professional learning side of it. Yeah. I love mm -hmm. that you can ask a teacher to, um, you know, take a language arts lesson and let's yeah. talk about it as a group or as a faculty. So that's really powerful. I think, I think any kind of video is really powerful and it's just much easier if everybody's accustomed to it culturally. Yes, mm -hmm. Absolutely. I have a question. What is your biggest challenge that you're facing right now? <laughs> well, without names, without names. Um, Tracy, that's, that's a really a, a good question. Um, I, I didn't have very much teacher turn or turn over uh, this particular year. I think I had to hire maybe one or two teachers, but I think my biggest challenge right now, Tracy is, is really with the pandemic really, um, you know, embrace corralling my, my teachers around thinking about schooling in a different way. Um, just leading my school during this time with so many uncertainties. I think that's my biggest challenge right now. Do you think that your state will be having kids back in the classroom or will you continue with some distance learning variation? I, right now our state is having or showing an uptick um, with, with cases and all um, to answer your question. I think that we will, we will, maybe have a hybrid learning approach mm -hmm. to where some schools, there's some some face-to-face -face learning, but also some distant learning. Mm -hmm. I don't foresee us returning to school as it was, you know, with everybody turning returning to school um, in the traditional fashion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, I really miss those kids. I know, I do too. Uh, we, we close schools um, March 16th, and it was a couple of weeks, a couple of months out from um, the the end of school. But I just didn't think at that time when we were closing school that it it would be for so long, and that we wouldn't even return to school as yeah. we knew it. Yep. You know, so yep. it's been it's hard, so hard, so mm -hmm. hard. And that's the other thing too, Tracy, is really corralling my staff and and just uh, you know leading that 
approach to, you know, yeah, it's not like it used to be and we're going to have to do things differently and, and just trying to keep a sense of calm with all of the uncertainties. So I think the same is true for our teachers, just like we miss the kids and we're inspired by them. I think the teachers are in the same boat that, you know, when they, when they jumped into this work, they were not thinking they'd be spending all this time in front of a screen and it's kind of exhausting. It takes a different kind of energy to do that all day. So I, I think all of us need to find ways to keep inspiring and supporting and recognizing achievement for our teachers in this new learning environment. Have you given much thought about that? Are you able to pop into their classrooms online or, you know, how does that look for you? Yes, I am. Um, I'm, I'm actually able to, to pop in, um, to their classes. We used a a platform called class dojo, um, but our teachers were able, able to, um, you know, upload their, their lessons and stay in contact with their students. And then we also use Zoom and team meetings. So I'm able to really pop in. I'm able to really stay connected to what's going on in the different classrooms um, and, you know, within my, my school. So, and I, that's not going to change, you know, going forward. We'll, I'll be able to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we always like to ask our guests um, a question as the final question. And sure. um, that question is, if you could go back in a time machine and talk to your younger self, what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, wow. That, that's a great question. And I think about our, our, our young people and even myself, you know, growing up and I think it's important to build up our youth. And so I would say I would let my younger self know that I believe in you. You are responsible. You are, you take the initiative. You choose your actions, attitudes, and moods. I would tell my younger self to plan ahead and set goals, do things that have meaning and make a difference. And then finally, I would say set priorities make a schedule and follow your plan. You are disciplined and organized. And finally, you are a leader. Wow. Nice. That's what's very inspirational. Yeah. Thank you. Well, um, it's just a final note. I wish because we are in Utah, you know, I wish uh-huh. Stephen and Sean Covey were my best friends because I would oh, tell yeah. them that they have to give you a discount to their leader <laughs> program. Oh yeah! <laughs> so if I bump into him, I'll mention it. Yeah, but it's a it's been it, a game changer, absolutely. Yeah, well, I think it really speaks to some of the social and emotional skills that we mm-hmm. are wanting kids to develop. Sometimes we limit those SEL skills to just um, you know ties to emotion, but it, I think it really has to do with goal setting and reflection yeah. and all those things that come with leader and me. So I'm glad that you brought that up because it mm-hmm. is something we need to be prioritizing as schools and it's obviously made a difference in yours. Absolutely. One yes, last sir. thing. I'm sorry that I, we just said that that was the last question and now uh-huh. I'm bringing this up, but do you um, anticipate, I mean, how will you approach your school that is predominantly African-American given the um, current climate in the country with um you know, the, the murder of George Floyd. And I'm, I'm anticipating that your school will be obviously yeah. impacted by that. And so how, how do you anticipate that that might change some of what you do in addition to some of the, 
the impacts from the virus? Well, that's a great question. And I, that is one um, area that I've really been spending a lot of time thinking about is the SEL area. Um, but I think, again, um, I would approach it. It's, it's to me, it's very important to to help our students know and realize their value. Um, and so that would be the approach that I would take. Um, and I just really have to sort of you know, feel the atmosphere, if you will, for like a better way to say it. Um, but that would be my approach is just building up the students um, and just letting them know that they have value. Um, sure. That's, that's my approach. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, there's no telling what our babies have gone through in terms yeah. of big family members. I mean, this is a really big emotional strain on them. So, um, you know, um, but that's what elementary teachers and principals do. We love on our babies and yeah. we build them up and, and, and we get them through some tough times. Absolutely. And we can yeah. tell just by listening to you how big your heart is and how much <laughs> you give and wrap your arms, whether it's literally Absolutely. or figuratively in our little Corona world right now, <laughs> yes. uh, just taking, taking care of your peeps. So yes. we want to thank you for taking time to be with us and sharing your expertise <laughs> and talking to us about what a great school you have and great staff, great kids, maybe yes. some of the steps that you've taken to help get you there. And, and it has been very 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 valuable for us and we appreciate your time yeah thank you well, so much it was thank you know, it's always inspirational to talk to principals especially principals that are doing it so well and so thank you yeah. no thank you it's a pleasure speaking with both of you thank you so much thank you and enjoy the rest of your day good luck this year i will thank okay. you bye-bye bye-bye